Hello. Hi. I'm we're, over here now. We're on the same side of the table. And on the other side of the table is our friend Tyler. Yeah, that's right. Welcome to Someone Greater Podcast, my dude. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited. This is a podcast <laughs> about homebrew and homies. Homebrew Hell and homies. Yeah. As we decided I don't last know anything episode. about homebrew, but I know a lot about homies. That's <laughs> fine. So Perfect. Yeah. The cool thing about Tyler is that not only is he my friend, he's also my brother-in-law. Yeah. So this is pretty cool. It is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I needed something to do tonight, so. Yeah. Hell yeah. Get you out of the house. Get you away from stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we're hanging out. We're my children were uh, crying at the dinner table over their pancakes for whatever reason. And then I was like, bye, honey. I, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, okay, have fun. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Poor kids. Yeah, yeah they'll live. This yeah. guy's got kids. Poor guy. Three of them. <laughs> that makes you a de facto DM. Does it really? Yes. Why? Because like, you get like the dad energy or? Because you're already wrangling cats. It's basically the That's same really thing. true. Yeah, that's really true. Actually, yeah, you've got half the skills necessary to be a DM. Excellent. I should do it then. I don't know if it yeah, works the same in reverse. Someone's gonna have to get back to me on whether being a DM makes you a better father once you become one. Oh, that's actually a really interesting concept. Yeah, I feel like you could write like some kind of a thesis or something. I feel that, like you could. You know, probably. Hmm. I think we're onto something. Better, better ask my. Th- therapist wife about that one yeah you should yeah absolutely yeah uh, i sound nasty because i got influenza a baby and then follow that up with a double ear infection and a peritonsillar abscess so i got hit by a fucking truck mm. dude and i'm gonna be coughing a little bit but this is the best you've sounded in, a little bit. in the last week and a half yeah yeah for sure yeah <clears throat> but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here today to talk about you, Tyler. Me. What the fuck is up with that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I really don't. So, <clears throat> when when I met you, mm-hmm. I was um, dating your sister, obviously, so there was a little bit of a yes. thing there. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. But um, she and I had already been playing D&D together for a while, and how did the conversation come up like about like what is the D&D thing with like with you and her? I don't even, I honestly can't even remember. Um, I think so when I, when we met, I was working at a, a youth group up in the Chicagoland area. And I think the first time that we met was at <coughs> what my son's like fourth or fifth birthday, fourth yeah. birthday. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, because our third wasn't here yet. And uh, that was just kind of like hanging out, getting to know each other a little bit and whatever. And then when we were still up there, I know Sophia was helping me with the youth group. Um, and so I was taking her back and forth from the city all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it just randomly came up in conversation. Like she was like, oh, my friends and I, we play, we play D&D. And I'm just like, Okay. You know, like I didn't really think much of it. Right. Um, it just a car conversation. At that yeah. Point. Yeah. So I didn't real, I was like, Oh, like I'm glad that my sister like found a hobby <laughs> in the midst of having no free time anyway yeah. at school. Uh, but then I can't remember when we started like really talking about it in earnest when I realized like, Oh, like this is a thing for them. 
I think it had to have been during COVID when you first moved down here oh, wow. and you guys started like playing and hosting here. Okay. And that's when I realized like, oh, they like do this, you know, yeah. not just like, oh, they roll dice once a quarter, you know? <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah, I think it just kind of like came up and then I just kind of realized after a while, like this is for real, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't realize either like how extensive and pervasive like the hobby was for you guys. I think until like, remember when we were all living here under the same roof uh-huh. after we moved down from Chicago and we were, and I remember Ellie, my, my wife was telling me, she was like, Oh, they're really serious about this. And I was like, yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, we're a little crazy. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think it just kind of like organically kind of came up, you know, that's cool. I, I guess I didn't realize it was that recent even. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really fun. Well, not even that. I mean, it's crazy to think too how fast time flies because like that was like over three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That so. Was... <clears throat> yeah. Dang. Yeah. I keep thinking about like, oh yeah, when I moved down here the other day, mm-hmm. as if I'm not like you know over a year and a half married now. Yeah. That's weird to think about too. That's wild. When she first mentioned it, I guess I didn't think much of it because I didn't really have much of like a frame of reference for D&D other than, you know, images of the iconic D20. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's the game where you roll like 70 dice and they each say something different and <laughs> you like have your character with your sword and... <clears throat> That was it. And then stories of, you know, like kids in basements in the 80s and what they were up to and right. all that. That's all I ever knew. So I just was just images like, of stranger <laughs> things in your head. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> stranger things and like satanic panic right. and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, oh, I, I guess I'm glad she has a hobby then. That's that's cool, I guess. <laughs> Hoping you're all right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. yeah, that was that was my whole frame of reference at that mm. point. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And then that obviously very quickly evolved for you into um, a project that you did during your time, like you said, working with the youth group. Yeah. You actually got to kind of take and make your own, basically make your own like system for yeah. the kids, which was yeah really fun when you told us about that. I was like so fucking excited. That dude. is like, I there are very few things in my life that I've done where I look back and I go, I did a good job. Mm. Like, <laughs> I know I'm a good husband. I know I'm a good dad. And then I made a cool campaign. And that's about like the culmination of my life at this point. <laughs> like those three things, husband, dad, and I made something cool one time. You know, Hell that yeah. was so much fun. It is, it is really hard to beat a really good, satisfying D and D campaign mm-hmm. as like a pivotal moment in your life. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've played a couple one shots now <clears throat> with you as my DM and mm-hmm. like even just being a player when the campaign is done and you have like a good ending that ties it together or hangs you off a cliff just the way you like it. Like even just as a player, you're just like, Oh yeah, that was, <laughs> that was good. I enjoyed that. So then running one back then, like, was just magnificent. Such a fun experience. Yeah. A lot of hard work. <laughs> I was going to say, walk us through all that. Cause mm-hmm. like, I will. Yeah. So it's funny because I had a student who she had casually mentioned to me too, that she was playing D and D with her friends. And so the images that came up in my mind was like, 
They're hanging out in each other's basement. They're rolling dice. They're pretending to be orcs. Good for you, kid. Like, happy you have friends. That was my very big, my biggest sentiment. And then <laughs> her mother caught wind of the fact that she was playing Dungeons and Dragons with her friends. Oh, boy. And she took all of her uh, like gaming manuals and all of her D&D stuff from her and brought it into the pastor's office at the church uh-huh. and put it on the desk. And she literally said, my daughter is playing Dungeons and Dragons. You're my pastor. Figure out how evil it is and get back to me. Wow. To which my pastor, had like he had no frame of reference for this game whatsoever, right? right? Like other than what he had heard again, like the satanic panic back in the 80s. So he just kind of assumed like, oh, she's probably into some bad stuff. I should take a look at this. <laughs> and either by some miracle or divine providence or <laughs> luck or what have you, he brings all of it into my office and he's like, look, you're the youth guy. I'm delegating this task to you. Figure out how evil this is and get back to me so we have something to tell this hysterical mother. I love this approach. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, okay, I have nothing better to do, I guess. And I read the D&D, I don't know exactly what it's called, the gaming manual or the the handbook. Probably the player handbook. The player handbook. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, player's handbook or the dungeon master's guide. Yeah, and I sat in in one office day, I read the whole thing cover to cover. And my ultimate conclusion was this seems like a fun game (laughs) and it seems like it's really easy for people to get into and cool, you know, and coming at it from like the youth pastor Christian perspective, I was just like, Pepsi is bad for you if you have too much of it. Like it, like we're not going to do this whole, like I'm not going to interrogate children and ask if they're like, slitting cats throats over a copper bowl or anything like because i don't i really don't think that's happening you know what i mean like so it seems to me as though we have a student playing a game with her friends and that was my conclusion i presented that to my pastor and he was like all right he talked to the mom again and she said she appreciated my perspective but she was still uncomfortable with it so she's going to keep all of her stuff so i said i'll make you a deal i keep her stuff And I will create a campaign for her with all of her friends from youth group that you know and love and trust. And we will do a campaign together. It's in a safe environment that you trust. It's with people that you love. Mm -hmm. And it'll be like the youth group's like love letter to this girl. Okay. And she said, go for it. I had no idea what I was doing. Like at all. So I reread the player handbook and I watched uh, Matt Mercer's series on YouTube, uh, Tips for Beginning DMs. Mm. I watched the entire playlist, understood about a third of it. (laughs) And I just started coming up with mechanics that I could understand and wrap my head around. (laughs) And I created this campaign that took place during a zombie apocalypse in the United States. And all of the kids in the youth group, they were all players. And we created this thing, or I created this thing. And I, because I had so many kids, I realized really quickly that a typical D&D campaign is what, like four to six people-ish, something <laughs> yeah. like that. I had 20 kids That's who all lot. wanted to play. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do character sheets for all of them. Uh-huh. No. So I broke them up into groups. <laughs> and each group was a faction of survivors oh, with man. certain abilities 
like uh, buffs and debuffs, uh-huh. and then it emphasized you would have to really work together because some encounters that I designed, if you're if you were part of like the strength group, then there would be this really big physical encounter with a lot of fighting. And so you guys would kind of be like at the forefront for that encounter and the people kind of just like waiting for their turn would like run support in some kind of passive way. So everybody got to directly and indirectly do something. It was a constant rotation of people. Um, I didn't know how to roll for outcomes. I didn't know what all the dice meant. Mm -hmm. So I used a D20, a D6, and I think that was it. And the D20 was for deciding outcomes of encounters. And then the six was for movement Mm. um, because I had like boards and stuff. I'll get into the mechanics here in a minute. But basically (laughs) like the D20, if you rolled a one to a five, that was a certain outcome. And then like six to 10 was a certain, you know. And so I was like, I'm not, I'm not assigning like, I'm not assigning a number to an outcome. I'm signing, um, I, I'm assigning like a range, you know? Yeah. Like there wasn't like a, if you hit this, you succeed. Otherwise you fail kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a, the kids that were, that had never been in this world whatsoever. That was easy for them to wrap their heads mm-hmm. around because I had to take into account the different kinds of kids that I had. I was going to say, what, what age group was this? This was all high school. So freshmen to seniors. Okay. Um, so they're all mixed together. I had some kids that were more like creative types who loved this kind of thing. I had some kids that were like track and field and basketball stars that could give a crap about fantasy <laughs> anything. And then I had some kids where if it didn't involve a screen, they couldn't function, mm-hmm. right? And there was no screen. It was a table and your friends, you know? So I had to make it appealing for everybody. Yeah. Um, and then I came up with this idea where what if I integrated physical challenges with the tabletop aspect. Mm. So as the narrative of the campaign would progress, half of your encounters would be on the tabletop doing like the very heavily role-playing stuff for the really artsy creative kids. Mm -hmm. And then the ones who like can't sit still, then the next encounter would be some kind of physical challenge. So if like a nuclear radiation storm was blowing through the city and you'd had to like hoard supplies and get into a bunker, well then they'd have to run from the youth room upstairs to the sanctuary and get inside the supply closet and pull out a case of water that I had set there. And then two people or more would have to carry it all the way back to another classroom. And they'd have to hunker down and have a timer going the whole time. (laughs) And so then we're like running around too. Yeah. And I underestimated the first campaign, how long it would take. I was like, we're going to bust this out in two hours. It'll be a fun activity. And it took six and a half hours. <laughs> I was gonna, a I one was shot. And because I had no frame of reference, I was like, well, it's D and D people build their lives around it. It needs to be long. And I didn't realize like how long it was. Um, and it was this huge hit. And at the end of it to roll, we wanted to roll for the, ending of the whole narrative and the girl who had been through this weird thing like with her mom and kind of being outed as like potentially evil or whatever i had this giant inflatable d20 it was like this big like a beach ball yeah and all the kids cheered her on as she rolled for the end of the campaign oh man nice and as luck would have it she got like one of the best endings and we all celebrated together and it was fun 
And then we did the second one a year later. And that one, it was the same format and the narrative would continue. And that one took nonstop, no breaks. Uh, that one was 12 hours long. Oh, I was going to say, because I remember you telling yeah. me about one of them that was like a lock-in all night. That was the second one. That went from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Wow. Damn. Pancakes at 7.30 and then go to bed. <laughs> like that was, that was a monster of a campaign. That's so freaking cool. And that took me... I was in the office for a good two months, 12, 12 hours a day, six days a week planning that one. Wow. Yeah, I bet. And again, because I didn't know what I was doing, mm -hmm. but that's all of it Well, in a nutshell. If it makes you feel any better, that's probably about the amount of time that I've sunk into my campaigns. Oh, perfect. So good. <laughs> you're, you're not off very far. That's, yeah. uh, that's about right for the, the DM good. prep. But yeah, it, it was it was cool. That was... That was the largest creative endeavor I've ever undertaken yeah. before and probably ever will. Like, I hope I can do things like that in the future, but um, that was something that I'm really proud of. The kids responded great to it. I mean, we destroyed the inside of that church building, with that, especially with that second campaign. Yeah. Like, it got to the point where during one of the physical challenges, the kids were like, can we pretend that we have grenades? And I was like, what are you going to use? And they're like this. And they just start like throwing folding chairs at each other. <laughs> and they're like tipping tables over for bunkers and they're smacking each other with pool noodles. Like I have a machete. I just cut your head off. And they're just beating each other senseless. And it's five in the morning. And it was awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then you gather them all downstairs and they all like sip tea and coffee and they roll dice, <laughs> the more creative ones. And they're like, Oh good. I'm glad I'm able to make it past this locked door. You know, like the whole spectrum was represented. That's awesome. That is so cool. It was really fun. It was really, really good. Yeah. So would they like, how would you pick factions? Did they kind of choose for themselves? Yeah, so the only requirement that I set was I wanted as even a number of possible of kids. So I was like, if everybody picks the strength faction, or I, for, I forget the name that I called them. If everybody picks that because they all just want to be a berserker, then like we're not going to really have like a balanced game. Mm -hmm. um, so I told them like really think about it. And, and just trust me that I've tailored this for everyone to get a shot at something really cool. Mm -hmm. And they all just kind of like, I kind of like based on their personalities, just kind of like went to where I figured they would. Yeah. And they got with their groups and they had fun with nice. it. Nice. Nice. Um, so you had like, there was one faction was like a weapons specialists. They were just called the weapons team. Mm -hmm. And they were really good at weapons. So like your fighter class or whatever. Yeah. And there was one that we called the psychers. And due to some kind of, what would you call it? Like mutation. Ra radiation, mutation, I insert vague post-apocalyptic superpower <laughs> yeah. here. Their neurons got rewired and now they can like use like psychic abilities. And the kids who I figured would like that, they drifted over there mm -hmm. and we had the, the stealthers that the kids called them and they were the ones that snuck everywhere and, you know, and like nice. your rogue or what have you. And uh -huh. there was another one. I for, oh, the ghouls. They, uh, I stole that from Fallout. And God. they were uh, hideously mutated monsters <laughs> that still had their sentience and self-awareness. <laughs> but they were the ones that would go into like danger zones and like complete like hazardous missions for everybody else. You know, and so like I took them down to like 
the semi-flooded church basement and had them wait around like around boilers and stuff <laughs> and like look for clues with flashlights and everything. Oh and I'm like, gosh. ah, you would be so poisoned if you weren't a hideous, disgusting creature. Good for you. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we did something, you know, like stuff Amazing. like that. <laughs> wow. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Putting kids in basements. I know that sounds weird, but like they enjoyed it. Uh, that, that's know? a real thing. I was, I was that way. <laughs> Just get down there and play in the dark. I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of kids that do that, so yeah. <laughs> and they would do that without being asked, or would sneak off to do it anyway. Uh, so. mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's heartwarming uh, from the perspective of the girl who had her materials taken, because mm-hmm. yeah. um, just like what a response from you to take such and it like put a ton of work into normalizing this thing for her and for her, her mom. That would, that would make me really happy if I was that kid. Um, and I just think that like, I, I see, I see that kind of thing happen culturally a lot when, uh, you know, teachers of, of our generation are, are into D and D in some capacity. Cause like they, they grew up with satanic panic and they know how to, like stifle it yeah. so effectively. And it's, I think that, yeah, it kind of goes back to like that Pepsi analogy, like anything's bad for you if you do it the wrong way. Like the idea of, you know, edgy disenfranchised kids, like trying to summon the dark Lord in some literal way. Like for one, like we know that that really just like wasn't happening. Number one. Um, If anybody was trying to do that, probably didn't work. You know what I mean? Like we know that that wasn't really just wasn't happening. And so I, the, the conclusion that I had come to and I, and then some of my like trusted leaders of the youth group too, I asked them about the idea and kind of consulted them and they were all just like, they're like, these kids just need friends. Mm-hmm. And how you make friends is by finding something that you all love together. That's like the bat, the best and the <clears throat> quickest way to make friends. You like this too. Let's do it together now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were like, so let's go for it. Um, and none of us had ever played a D&D campaign before. None, me or my <coughs> leaders or my students at all, mm-hmm. um, except for her, that the one girl. Um, and we didn't tell her we were doing this. Oh, nice. um, I said I was building some, I said I was building a big activity for them and I need everyone to participate and it's going to take a long time. Mm-hmm. And they were all just like, okay. They thought <laughs> we were like going on an outing or something. Yeah. And then when they walked in and I was like, Welcome to the freaking Thunderdome. Like, here are your <laughs> Nerf guns. Here are your assignments. Here is your face paint. And here are, like, hoodies, you know, to blend into the dark. Here's what we're doing. Hell Everyone yeah. was like, no freaking way. You know, like, <laughs> so it was it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, no one could have expected that. No, I mean, I didn't even see it mm. becoming what it did. Again, I was like, this will take like two hours, whatever. It'll be fun. We'll throw some dice at each other and be done. But then it ended up being this. I mean, I, I'm still in a, I still text with those students every now and again. And they're all like grown and have jobs yeah. and moved out of their houses. But I still like once or twice a year, my phone will ping and it'll be one of my former students from youth group say like, remember the zombie campaign? You know, <laughs> like they still think about it. Yeah. And it just, it warms my heart every time. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I hope I get to do something like that again in the uh-huh. future. So, yeah. Huh. With a little awesome. bit more know-how now that I've like played some real campaigns. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, you're 
I think you're well on your way to being able to do something like that because, like you said, we got to actually run a couple D and D one shots, and you actually got to make a character and jump into the world. <clears throat> That so. was awesome. Mm-hmm. I really want to do one again. It was so fun oh, to see yeah, you man. get into character, like way into character. Oh, yeah. The first know? session was yeah. <laughs> so yeah. good, dude. I think like, I don't I don't know how many people listen to this who like aren't like seasoned <laughs> veterans of D&D, but just coming from like a total newbie's perspective, like that initial... That initial interaction when some when it's your first campaign and someone else at the table who's more seasoned in this hobby gets into character right away and speaks in their voice and their cadence and yeah. you know maybe uses some body language and stuff and like really starts role playing. There is that very first initial like, okay, weirdo, like <laughs> just here to hang out, you know. But if you just, I realized if I just let go and realized like we're all on the same page, like we're all being weird together, just go nuts. And Mm -hmm. then the, the drama kid, because I was part of drama club in high school, that kid came out and I was just like, okay, this is really freaking fun. Yeah. You know, like I can just, I can be whatever. Yeah. And Uh it was fun for a night to be whatever my character was. I forgot. Oh, the my my this is the dragonborn, the dragonborn acolyte, yeah. Mortarion, <laughs> Mortarion, <laughs> which I'm sorry, Games Workshop, I stole that from you, <laughs> but um, yeah, and just like quote hedonistic text while swinging a morning star, jumping out of a tree, missing my roll and breaking my ankles, and, st- <laughs> and still being deluded enough to be like, I did something, you know, like <laughs> it was so fun, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think it's like. I think there's a little part of me that kind of feels like that guy. Like even when I trip and fall on my face, I'm like, I'm sure I made an impact somehow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We've had a few comments in, in the last couple months from people that have just, just found this podcast and been like, I, I've never played in my life. Um, but I've just kind of found out about the hobby and I've, you know, found this, this podcast and like maybe a couple others, just, just a few videos, probably in some cases, uh, the, the same Matt Mercer videos that you found, you know, and, uh, they comment and they're like, this is something I want to get into, but I don't know how. Um, and I think you just described how pretty well, uh, and, and, you know, highlighted the fact that like, you don't know how you you don't have to know what the hell you're doing. Right. You know, um, you can, you can, truly like from a bird's eye view make whatever you want of it um but also like like if you've got the time and you want to you know run it rules as written like you can you can kind of just just work with your people like the people around the table don't don't care so much that you get everything exactly right yeah um yeah they they just want a good story Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i i think i and I think just having, just wanting a good story is what helped me as a player get over the initial like mechanics anxiety. Yeah. Because uh, when we ran the first one shot that we did, I remember like I, you guys gave me like a little dice tray and, you know, I had my, my tasty beverage and I mm-hmm. had my papers and I barely knew what any of it was. Like, I didn't know what roll initiative means, even though that's like the most <laughs> iconic thing in the entire game. Yeah. 
I didn't know what each dice was net was die was necessarily for, but I knew that I had my brother-in-law as a DM and I knew that he would have a good story. Yeah. And I knew that if I would just have fun and just have, it sounds weird to say the courage, but like the courage to just be like, okay, so wait, like, what does this mean? I know someone's going to nudge me and be like, roll that one. You'll, you'll, you'll pick it up. Mm-hmm. And then you do, you pick it up so fast. Yeah. Like I remember the second one shot, I felt so much more like, uh, yes, this is what I do. And that's that stat. Perfect. And then get back into it again. Yeah. You pick it up so fast. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You, it, it does take courage getting into yeah. it and like having the courage to ask and say, I don't know what this means. Like y'all just said something and yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's totally okay. Cause mm-hmm. In the vast majority of groups that you're playing with, they want to teach you about yeah. this game that they love so much. And they want to share in the experience with people. And it's been so much fun finally being able to include you in something that yeah. I have loved for so long and that uh, my wife, Sophia, your sister, has mm-hmm. loved for so long. And now we get to do that together with you and so just the fact that it is now a shared interest like you said that's Mm -hmm. it's it's about friends it's about the people it is and it's interesting because so i'm i'm a teacher at a high school now and um when i'm chit-chatting with my students you know especially those get to know each other conversations you know they ask me like what do you do in your free time and you know like I'm a teacher, I don't really have free time anymore. <laughs> but I tell them like if I am if I am to have just like my night, like this is just me doing whatever I want to do. It's I I told them I either like to watch a good movie that makes me think, and then go to bed because I'm a boring old person. I said or uh, playing D and D with my brother and sister, and they were like. The it's so funny to see the reactions because you get like ninety five percent of the I did I got ninety five percent of the class that was just like really <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons teacher okay and then you get that other five percent that's like you play Dungeons and Dragons you know <laughs> yeah, like exactly and those are the kids where you're just like yeah come here let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah you know? yeah and it's and it's fun that's because awesome. like then. When like the naysayers or whatever leave your desk and you get surrounded by that little five percent that are just like, so do you run, have like an ongoing campaign or just like a one shot? And I'm just like, yes, yes, talk to me to about me. this. <laughs> you know, do you do you think like we could do something like that? And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> You're asking the right questions. <laughs> you know, exactly. um, it's so it's so fun to. Especially, I, I think because because I've been working with like kids and students for so long, it's so much fun to talk to them about it, you know, mm. because they're the ones that are seeking that community and that companionship like the hardest. And what is D and D if not just immersing yourself in community, yeah. like above above mechanics, above gameplay, all that? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a community, <laughs> and I think it's what like at least in my experience, like what is, it just connects people so hard, so fast, which is really fascinating, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's also cool now having people like you who are in positions of influence with these kids, like as a teacher who, you know about this game and you rather than 
looking at it from the perspective of the satanic panic that's kind of just seeped into our right. culture, you have experience with it and you love it and you're able to say like, this is totally fine. Yeah, this is fine. <clears throat> it's, I think it's something that is becoming a lot more popular. It, it's, it's, D&D is, is slowly moving out of the satanic panic umbrella, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. And it's really cool. It's interesting too because I, whenever you so whenever you think of whenever anyone who's like outside of the hobby thinks about D anD D, you immediately think of like the classic, like fantasy genre. You've got like you know elves and orcs and paladins and fae and fairies mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah. And for some people, that's just kind of like it, it kind of makes you roll your eyes. Like I'm not trying to absorb some elfiered universe right now you know right but then i, I hear of like one of the it. campaigns that you guys ran that's like cyberpunk like ultra futuristic like interdimensional rifts and corporate espionage and all that yeah. and it's like oh like D, like it, it, it has its lore and it has its setting but ultimately if you want to take the skeleton of the mechanics and just build a universe for yourself you can yeah. And for someone that has a little bit more of a creative or undiagnosed ADHD, whichever <laughs> you want to call it, mind, that idea of like reality can be whatever I want is a lot of fun, you mm-hmm. know? And I think yeah. especially for kids too, where they really are trying to make reality make sense, sometimes it's fun to make it not make sense mm-hmm. with something like D&D. Yeah. Or maybe that is the only thing that does make sense for them, and that's what they need right now. Yeah. Um, and that's just some of the stuff that I found like during the zombie campaign and everything. I still have all the old files and I'll sometimes like reread my narrative and yeah. just like, <laughs> Ooh, man, I remember, you know, and it's just, it's such a cool, my thing, like my, my wife doesn't get it like at all, but that's okay. <laughs> I still love her, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we'll keep her around. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, do you have fun playing pretend? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> Me and my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back to pay bills now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride just the whole being a noob with D&D and then just kind of continuing to dabble in it. And it's an interesting position to be in too. The amount of D&D and D&D adjacent like content that I have just maniacally absorbed. <laughs> like that's kind of like that vicarious way to live in the realm of the hobby when you don't really have time to sit down at a table and play a campaign, then you just, then you watch all the critical role that you can get your hands on, or you discover something like the Warhammer universe and you're just like, yes, fantasy, 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 you know? And I think a lot of people can, I think a lot of people can kind of relate to that as well. Like I don't really have the free time to invest in making or playing a campaign, but I do have the free time to occasionally doom scroll some fantasy stuff and just absorb stories and ideas and just enjoy that, you know, and that's kind of like the phase that I'm in right now. It's Mm -hmm. like, I have no free time, but YouTube's pretty great, you know? Yeah. Right. And you just kind of cross your fingers and hope for that time when you can sit down and start rolling again. Yeah. I know you said that, um, when we first jumped into like actual D and D transitioning from playing, your system that you just kind of went narratively based. Um, the mechanics were a little 
complicated as far as like figuring everything out. Um, would you say that you have like a favorite part of like the way that D and D works as opposed to like, I don't know, like other games or anything like that. Yeah. Something about it specifically that you're like this, this is why I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. I really, man, I think I'm such a sucker for story. Mm -hmm. I just love a good story. I really do. And I, I, I adore the storytelling aspect. Um, thinking back when I was making that zombie campaign, I think the thing that I spent the most time on was getting my mechanics and my encounters in order because it required like all of my focus Mm -hmm. so I didn't like miss something. But what I enjoyed the most was writing the story for the kids and for myself Mm because I was like, this is actually turning out really good. (laughs) Um, So being taken through a compelling story as a player, that's my favorite part. Yeah, I mean, I honestly... If I just attended a campaign and just sat there and did literally nothing, just listened to everyone engage a story, I would be content. Mm-hmm. But then getting to roll dice and be a character and all that, it's all just like icing on the cake for me. So really just being taken through a good story is like my favorite part. Yeah. And then that like that like methamphetamine like high between the dice leaving your hand. And like it rolling around, you're wondering what you're about, what number you're going to get. Like, I can't describe that. It's equal parts exhilarating and absolutely horrifying. (laughs) You're just like, I could either be the hero or completely screw this entire thing. up. Yeah. Break my ankles. Break my ankles. Jumping out of a 50 foot tree like an idiot. You know what I mean? Like still killed the guy. I did. Yeah, you, you landed I, on it. I did. Yeah, see? So it's fine. There's no failure, just lessons learned. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Could you uh could could you see like, you know, even if it's if it's dumbed down to, to age or whatever, could you see writing something like this for your own kids? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. I figured a thousand percent. Yeah. We actually talked about it when we were on vacation this summer. Um, the idea of could we bring it down to like one or two dice do kind of like the range thing, like one to six Mm -hmm. is this and just a very simple, fun, like wholesome story that the kids could really get into Mm -hmm. and they could sit down and they could hang out with uncle Skylar and daddy and they could roll some dice and, Oh, you know, like my son, like, good job, buddy. Like your lightsaber or whatever, like, you totally hit that dude and you got mm-hmm. him and you saved everybody. Like I really like my oldest, she'll be approaching 10. Um, she, she thinks that she's ready for a full blown full mechanics and lore campaign mm-hmm. because she's got that like creative obsessive mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. And my son, he just wants to pretend to be a dragon and melt people, you know? Exactly. So somewhere in the middle, I a think they would adore it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they would just adore that. Yeah. And then my youngest being four, like she'll come around. She's four. You just board up the windows and wait <laughs> for the storm to pass. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we but. give her a, we give her a mermaid character and tell her she's swimming around and doing something. Exactly. And yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Over the moon. Ice bolt. Yes. Good yeah. job. <laughs> anyway, like, <laughs> That's what that's that's her role when we play pretend together around the house. Anyway, like <laughs> my oldest comes up with the scenarios, 
my son describes all of our gear and how powerful it is. <laughs> and then my youngest stands on the couch and just goes, <laughs> and apparently that makes us all win, you know? So exactly. I think I've got my own party already. Like, yeah. And that honestly, that brings up a really fun point. You basically are already running a campaign for them. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you yeah. guys have like this made up world where you guys will go out and just play pretend. That's with true. The kids. Yeah. It's, it's essentially a D and D campaign without the dice. It's true. Yeah. It's <laughs> our, our, uh, game of pretend. Um, because I, again, because I just have like an obsessive meticulous <laughs> mind. Um, our world of pretend that we created for ourselves began when my oldest was four. Dang. And any every single time we've ever played pretend with each other, it's been the same pretend game ongoing. So this universe that we've now built has like characters and stories and locations and if we feel like playing like a different genre of pretend well then we got on our ship and we went to a different planet with mm -hmm. a different feel and all that kind of stuff so if we want to like if my son just like he wants to play army well then we're gonna go and revisit like our wartime storyline that we concocted three months ago mm. and we pick up where he left off mm -hmm. and i'll occasionally write down like Okay, such and such date, played pretend, left off here, wartime storyline or whatever. And then when they're like, where did we leave off when we were fighting that one thing? And I'll go, okay, so we killed that one dude. And they're like, oh, yes, we got to go there now. And then we start playing pretend again. That's awesome. So it's been ongoing for yeah. years, this universe that we've built. That is so and cool. And it stimulates their mind and yeah. it's a connecting point for us and it gives me an excuse as a 32-year-old man to keep playing pretend, which is all I've ever totally. wanted. You know? yeah. I feel like that's such a radical but also basic shift in parenting <laughs> from like what most of us are, are used to because you know we, we everybody has some version of pretend that they're playing growing mm -hmm. up um, and you know everyone's heard the the stereotypical response to that of like, like, all right, buddy. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But like, Very cool. You know, it's such a, it's, it's a thing of humility really to be actively engaged with it, with your kids. I appreciate you saying that. I've never really seen it that way. I've always kind of seen it maybe slightly more selfish. Just like, look <laughs> guys, if you're going to play pretend you're going to do it right. Like, <laughs> In this house, when we play pretend, it's actually good. Like, <laughs> you know, this matters. If you there want are stakes, <laughs> exactly. Play, play correct or get correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if if you want my attention, earn it. Like, <laughs> make it good. <laughs> if you're gonna tell me you have a lightsaber, then it's not bendy. It's not a whip. No, it's a lightsaber. That's if you right. want a light whip? That's something else. And it's canon colors because the colors mean something, and in this house, we mean something. <laughs> like, there's a crystal in it, and you have to go here and make it like this. <laughs> I do have to catch myself, like in the back of my mind, like the the inner, like. Um, actually yeah. like Reddit moderator in me <laughs> when my son will be like, all right, dad. So then like pretend you didn't know I had force powers, but I do. And part of me wants to be like, you can't just get force powers. You have to train. And we didn't do a training arc yet. 
but you're seven and that's fine. <laughs> and then we like have to move on because there are moments I have to catch myself and be like, no, no, that's okay. It's like I have to feed He'll the learn. lizard brain a little bit. It's okay. Exactly. It's, it's all right. He's a, he's a young boy. He needs to win. And that's fine. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's, oh, it's compelling awesome. stuff. The storylines that they <laughs> come up with. Like, oh my gosh, the stuff kids come up with is incredible. Like, they, may, they make you feel something sometimes. Like, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> it is crazy how, like, out of some of the most, like, random situations, you can just all of a sudden just get hit and be like, oh my, oh my gosh. Oh, like, this is emotional now? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's hit us in some D and D sessions where like we're doing like just the stupidest shit, and then all of a sudden some characters like, yeah, okay, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you told me about some some campaigns that you guys had have had where like because of the perfect blend of your narrative. And then what your real life players are like dealing with in their lives circumstantially, like there are those occasions where like those two worlds sometimes meet mm -hmm. and then D and D starts to become like genuinely cathartic and helping people realize things about themselves. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, this is important, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you can, you can't expect that out of every single thing, but like, every single campaign. But I mean, even just the, the look of just happiness on the one girl's face who got to roll the final beach ball D 20. Like exactly. That was a moment for her. That was important, yeah. you know, or if I'm playing pretend with my kids and a character that we, that the kids that we made up that they really love, I let them, save that character's life and we like celebrate them like you did such a good job you're so powerful and they're just like <laughs> yeah i am you know like it's important you know and uh -huh. it's so interesting how like even even as full-grown adults just playing pretend with our friends i mean that's essentially what D, &D is yeah. like with you know some structure and mechanics and stuff Playing pretend with our friends from childhood onward is always something that like will always hold a place in our hearts and it, like it'll never go away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, all the way from somebody who is like full grown, they're away from all that stuff. They shoot a piece of paper into a basket when they make it. They're like, yeah, you know, <laughs> and then they like walk away. Like it never goes away, yeah. you know, exactly. and that's what's so cool about this yeah. is D and D is the hobby that said we refuse to let it go away. And it's just so much freaking fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the game that refuses to grow up with you and it, it brings you back to what you kind of had to let go of to yeah. move forward in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I get what you're saying, but I also I also think the game very much does grow alongside you. Like I guess that's fair, yeah. Um, especially when you think of like how your critical thinking skills develop as you get older. Yeah. And like like media literacy and you know, if you're if you're like an introspective person, like how you think about yourself. An example I think I think of often is just like how 
I make my characters because often mm. um, when I've when I've you know drawn up a new character, it's uh, I've I've made the conscious decision to go. This is this part of my personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that isn't necessarily the most outward facing part that I want to like like kind of kind of explore. And like, what if I what if I was more of this person, right? Right. And sometimes yeah. you make a character thinking you're not putting any part of yourself in it, and you just let it be a surprise. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going. Some, sometimes you make one and it's like, okay, this is intentionally not me, and then yeah. you realize that it actually kind of was the yeah. whole time. Like, like yeah. this, this is a part of myself that I, I've been repressing a little bit, maybe. Sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. There, it, it's very, very engaging. Um. As, as. Uh, an adult with a functioning prefrontal cortex to uh, play with. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Speak for yourself. I don't know what's happening. It's fine too. But yes, Uh, it's, it's very fun as, as that person to be with several more of those people at a table who, you know, have, have consumed a ton of media and, who have let it influence them on, on a very deep level. You always see that rise to the surface. Those are the moments where, where just your friends make you cry around the table is, is when you see them like, like really nail the essence of their own character. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I remember during the, during the second, the second zombie campaign, I was introducing because of the way that the kids were going with like, I think we were like about eight hours into the campaign at this point and they were exhausted and they were making just like just boneheaded decisions every now and again during these encounters, you know, and they were suffering the consequences of that. And I realized I was going to have to introduce, uh, I was gonna have to introduce like permanent character death Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. like in a little bit because I was keeping track of their hit points on like a spreadsheet projected on the wall, like from the computer. And I mean, these kids were hanging on by a thread. There was like a certain (laughs) group of them where I was just like, next encounter, they're done. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it doesn't involve them, they're so weak. If they get breathed on, they're dead, you know? And what happened was, a whole bunch of them, like I figured, next encounter, like seven of the 20, like permanent death. Now we're only eight hours into a 12 hour campaign. And these <laughs> kids want something to do, you know? So what we did is we said, if you're dead, you are allowed to give advice on tabletop encounters, but you can't roll or do anything. Yeah. But then during the physical challenges, you get to help me and my leaders be antagonists. Nice. So now you are zombies nice. and you try to kill oh. other people in the physical challenges. Yeah. And they were elated knowing uh-huh. that they would have something to do. But when they all died after that encounter, <clears throat> the kids all kind of expressed, they were like, it just feels so anticlimactic. Like you're looking at your character and this thing that you've invested time in. And then because a number on a screen says zero, like you don't get to play anymore. They were like, one of them mentioned, do we get some kind of like a like a send-off or a goodbye? One kid was like, so do I just like go home? It's like three in the morning, you know? So what we did is... We, <laughs> yeah, Jason, get out. Yeah, leave. <laughs> you did this to your party. Um, 
we held a funeral service for them <laughs> and I played taps on Hell the speakers yeah. and all the dead kids stood up in front and we all went in front of them and like saluted them and shook their hand. And we were like, thank you for your contribution to this campaign. You're a zombie Ooh. now. And the kids were just like, yeah, thanks. Thanks. I do. I do my best. <laughs> you know. That is amazing. And then they get to just run around and scream and hit yeah. people with pool noodles the rest yeah. of the night. But it's like, a win-win. The it, it's it's a goofy example, but like being able to have a workaround where it's like you still get to have fun and participate, mm-hmm. even though you wiped your whole party by being a bonehead. Um, that meant something to them, you know. And uh, yeah, I think that's honestly that's like one of the core aspects of D&D is the fact that it's not a game that one person can win. There yeah. there are no like winners and losers. You just have a bunch of people doing a bunch of stupid shit and then dealing with the consequences. Yeah. And you guys all have to unite together and handle your shit. Yeah. And, like it's It's true. It, it, it can be chaotic, it can be frustrating, and it can be scary, but at the end of the day, you're all on a team working towards something really, really cool, often in the distance, in the horizon, for your character, for your group of people, and I mean, you, you get to push forward together, hoping for a better future, and yeah. it's it's something that's not taught in very many other areas of growing up. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that kids do where they're basically told, like if you don't score a certain percentage, you don't get this scholarship and you don't get to do the thing you want to do. If you don't win, you don't get to keep doing this activity, whatever you have to be done. You're whatever other people get to take your shot because uh-huh. you failed out of it or you screwed yeah. up. Yeah. So it's definitely, yeah, it, it is one of those fascinating things. Cause like it, I mean, not, not to, not to like blow up a game into like something more than it isn't, but like it, it kind of makes you think like about other aspects of life where it's like, what other areas could I use things like critical thinking and genuine care for like the people around me to achieve a goal that we all hope that we can achieve, you know, rather than just being like, Oh, well that didn't work, whatever. And it's like, well, in D and D there's always something you can do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And it's like, I'm a, I'm a worldviews teacher. Like, so it makes me in my nerdy, mind think like in what other arenas of life can we adopt that way of thinking? There's always a way out. There's always a way through or around. And these people that I know and love and care about, they're coming with me no matter what. And it's like, I feel like if just we kind of took a second, whether it's learning that lesson from D and D or any, anything else, what would our life and the lives of people around us look like if that was the mentality that we adopted always, not just more playing pretend, you know, like we have to find the best possible outcome and I'm bringing you all with me, you know, no matter what, um, that might be like making something, making a game more than what it is, but 
makes me think. You know? I mean, I don't think it's too far fetched though. Like D and D has always been, um, a uniquely positioned game. Yeah. It's like, it's like how Survivor says it's like a microcosm of society in the, right. in the sense of like a TV reality series. Sure. D&D is kind of that for like a board game, like a strategy game. Sure. Because you can get D&D parties that like the DMs are garbage people and the players <laughs> are equally garbage people. Sure. And they go around and burn orphanages and do like just insane shit like that. And I, so you mean a good campaign? Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But like there, there are people out there that like they want to play D&D so that they can enact these like atrocious inner thoughts, whatever. Sure. Mm. Just get them all out, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, because they know that in any other circle they would get like arrested for some yeah. of the things Fired. they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it can really bring out the worst in people in some situations, but in the vast majority of the time brings out the best in people and you get to see qualities in the people around you that you wouldn't have the opportunity to see otherwise because you're not put in that, in those kinds of situations outside of playing pretend. I was going to say something really cheesy, but yes, I agree. (laughs) I was going to say like, you have to, I know (laughs) I was going to say something like, so when you go to work and live just your regular Joe Schmo life, think of your heroic qualities or something (laughs) dumb like that. But it like, it's true. Like the, these characters and these qualities that like we, we wish we wish we could have and express on some level in real life. It's like, what if you did, you know, like if you have a character that is like never say die and you have just been like, just party on your back, hard carrying your team through encounters and you are just loved for it. What if you did that? like in your life, just hard carried the people that you love for a time. Yeah. Or if you are a character that like you were talking about, like the little bit, Oh, it sounds a little bit more repressed than I Mm. thought it was. Like you're a typically more, maybe more melancholy, maybe more somber, uh, introverted, whatever kind of personality. And that's kind of what you express in your everyday life is just kind of more, subdued Mm -hmm. and then you create a character that is just off the wall and fun and quirky even though i hate that word (laughs) like all these things it's like what if you gave it a shot yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i don't know i again maybe it's making something more out of something it's not but things like D D for me get me thinking about what if you know if I if I'm a dragonborn acolyte, right, and me as a person of faith who wants to take it more seriously as the days go on, and an acolyte character, it's all your faith is it, like in your chosen <laughs> deity, and yeah. that's it. And if you don't like it, that's too freaking bad for you. You know, <laughs> like it makes me think like not what if I was a more intolerant person, because that would be terrible. <laughs> but like it makes me think, just like, you know, as a man of faith, like 
what if what if I always strive to be more serious about this than I than I just was yesterday? Mm-hmm. You know, like the idiot Mortarion. You know, like what if I <laughs> what if I had more of that passion to dive headfirst into this thing that I claim I love so much, like him, mm-hmm. or go into situations not with like a blind irrational faith but with the kind of faith that says that ex- that exudes confidence you know like i will be okay in this situation so i'm going to keep going forward right. you yeah. know i'm not going to jump out of a tree anytime soon but like you <laughs> I was know just going to say what if i break my what if i break my <laughs> legs for god cuz that's what he wants <laughs> no um morning star for jesus that's right <laughs> Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I, I think that's just where my, maybe that's like the, the former youth pastor or like the teacher in me or whatever. But it, it, it always gets me to think like, what it, what if we tried to be a little more like him? Now, don't be, if you made a character that likes to burn orphanages and eat people while they're alive, don't be more like them. But I, like you said, I think the vast majority of us are trying to pick characters that oftentimes exude features and virtues that we wish we kind of exuded a little bit more. Yeah. And it's like, what if you did, mm-hmm. you know, give yeah. it a shot. I don't D- know. D and D is like the perfect place for projection. Yeah. Like, put it out there. Yeah. What do you, what do you wish you were? Be that. Yeah. There you go. You can be that Have here fun. with us right now. Yeah. Go nuts. <laughs> Yeah. Go crazy, go stupid. No, no judgment. Yeah. Go crazy, go stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I've definitely made characters, several even, that are reaching for uh, things that I wish I was, mm. you know? Sure. Um, and in, in those instances where that character's goal is to embody a trait that I wish I had, I'm being given by the DM a space to really experiment with that. Yeah. And in those instances, I, I get to do a lot of, a lot of, you know, healthy personal introspection sure. and say, how does Sam do what his character just did? Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. That's, that's a, that's a coping mechanism and a growth mechanism that has been pretty helpful for me over the yeah. last few years. I think it speaks to the, maturity and the quality of the individual um, to be able to see something as immersive like D&D, not just as an escape, but then also a tool for growth. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, like sometimes, sometimes we need to just get away mm-hmm. and that's perfectly fine. But if you are also able to see it as this is my time to get away, but then, you know, maybe kind of, maybe kind of think on me a little mm-hmm. bit. That's yeah. that's a good healthy thing. Like that's a good thing to do. You know, yeah. that's just developmentally, it's good for you. So it's like, it's cool. Like I don't know. I I think we've gone from <clears throat> Dungeons and Dragons was created by a Satan worshiping bad person, <laughs> and children are killing cats and all this kind of stuff, and then kind of gone all the way to this is genuinely helping me grow as a person. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, again, it's one of those things. It's like, no, this is what it can be, should be. And a lot of times is this is just 
whatever. Like it's no yeah, factor. Yeah. This over here is a weird <clears throat> group of people who are going to do the things they're doing no matter what game you put in their hands. Yeah. And they were going to find a reason and a way yeah. to do the stupid shit. That they they do. were going to kill cats playing go fish. It didn't <laughs> matter. They just wanted to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Working just, on that animal crossing <laughs> museum. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know about this Animal Crossing game. Yeah. It sounds a little satanic. Yeah. It sounds like it's about to animal cross the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> See, honey, he's talking in tongues. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, man, that is what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It is. It's so freaking funny. <laughs> I choose to believe that now. <laughs> it's canon. It's lore. Canon. It's real. Yes. Animal Crossing is demonic. You heard it here the first, OG. folks. It's true. It is. It's bad, just like Pokemon. <coughs> oh, and the Pokemans. Pokemans. Yeah. Pokemon stands for pocket demons. <laughs> no, it actually doesn't, but okay. Like, <laughs> if that's what you need to hear. That's right. I had a whole arc with my parents with, with Pokemon growing up. Yeah. And Good. Found out, <laughs> I I would uh I, I was keeping Pokemon cards not as secretly as I thought. Sure. You know, <laughs> I had like maybe 15 that I just accumulated yeah. from like various various friends over the years. Uh and I, I just like like to admire the art on them. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um but like like my parents were not down with it because every reason you've ever heard. Sure. Right? Uh so so eventually they're like, listen, we know we we know you keep that thing on you. That's right. <laughs> so I, I'm like, all right, listen. And I pulled one out. This weird looking motherfucker, this is called lick a tongue. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, weird, I like how you choose one of the most like problematic <laughs> ones too. Like here's he's he just weird, likes to lick people. Yeah. <laughs> he's a weird fat pink kangaroo looking guy yeah. with a really long tongue and he knows how to stomp and lick that's that's what he does <laughs> yeah he's in he is an animal yes like, for all intents and purposes and from like that was that was the moment where i saw them kind of go like okay all right fine we're not ah. talking about spiritum right now let's yeah. go back to <laughs> this one's a giraffe <laughs> so, what, what's this one alakazan he's nothing he's from a different uh he's not even a pokemon <laughs> That's there's a Digimon. A, there's a psychic types? No. <laughs> like, yeah, that, one, that one is based on Yuri Geller. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's it's the it always made me laugh. Like growing up, like Pokemon was totally fine, like in our house, and I was obsessed with it. I had so many friends growing up where it's like, oh yeah, like my parents are really uncomfortable with Pokemon. They don't like the psychic types. It's yeah. a little whatever. And then I remember I always asked them, like, do they like Star Wars? <laughs> oh yeah, my dad loves Star Wars. Yeah, hmm. yeah, because they interesting. Grew up. <laughs> and the Force, interesting. Huh? Yeah, uh -huh. and the Force, and um, any no. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it out on the nice yellow mouse. Yeah. We'll do that. Exactly. In that instance, though, they always called it like like an allegory for Christianity somehow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yes. It's like Anakin becoming Darth Vader is actually uh, Jesus taking the sins of the world. And it's like, no, but he was actually a bad person. 
Anakin, Anakin killed kids. <laughs> Anakin killed kids. Might have probably enjoyed it too. Like, I mean, we all enjoyed the meme. What does that say about us? You know, but yeah. Sinners, one and all. That makes us funny. <laughs> one and all. That makes us funny. It's ironic. It's not bad. <laughs> We're quirky. It's... <laughs> There you go. Oh, gosh. We're about approaching that time. I was going to say, so, on that note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as always, what we want you to do is send us your uh, homebrew ideas like usual and your campaign setting ideas, perhaps, uh, to our email address, summongreaterpod at gmail.com or at greater on Twitter. Always love receiving DMs, emails, and comments on any of our social medias, which are all linked down in the description. Uh, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you should hit the YouTube link because there's video and you can see this this big, bald, beautiful man. That's that's the pitch. That's the pitch. <laughs> and everybody say that's thanks to is. Tyler in the comments for coming and hanging out with us mm-hmm. and nerding out with the homies. Mm-hmm. Thanks for letting me uh, spout off and diatribe forever. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Heck it was yeah, enjoyable, man. man. Thank you. Had yeah. a great friggin' time. Yeah. yeah. See, see y'all guys. next week.